0: Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Sunbury. We hope it blesses you. Good evening everyone. Welcome to St. Saviour's. My name is Ian. I'm a member of the church here. Today at the 6th I've been asked to preach on the subject of sayings from the cross. And this is the first of a three-part mini-series we're doing here at St. Saviour's, and leading us up to Easter this year. The scripture we'll be looking at today is Luke 23, verse 34, which says the following, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and they cast lots to divide his garments. As I was praying into this scripture, I felt God wanted us to focus on the following three points today. We all have the same Heavenly Father. We all are children of God. Will we all accept our place in God's family? I'd like to start today by explaining the Scripture from Luke 23, verse 34, in two parts. So the first part, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus, the Son of God, had been mocked, spat at, punched, kicked, beaten, whipped, had his beard ripped out, the crown of thorns forced on his head, before finally being nailed through his hands and his feet to a blood-stained wooden cross, which we know to be called the crucifixion. All the people who contributed to putting Jesus through this horrific ordeal, the religious leaders, the hostile crowd, the Roman soldiers, even the thieves being crucified next to him. Surely Jesus, after everything he went through, he can't want anything to do with them, can he? He must hate them, right? Wrong. Jesus had mercy on them. This shows the heart of God so beautifully as in this scripture, he personally asked his heavenly Father to forgive them and show them the same mercy that he does for all of us. They were not aware that they were crucifying the Son of God. They didn't believe who Jesus claimed to be. The second part of this scripture is, and they cast lots to divide his garments. The word they that this second part of scripture is referring to is firstly, the Roman soldiers who after nailing Jesus to the cross were casting lots to divide his garments. And secondly, to us as a human race. So what is casting lots? Why are they dividing his garments? The main use for this Um, The main use for casting lots was to render a decision that is not biased, but based on human choice, by letting God decide the matter. Items used for this included polished sticks, coins, cards, dice, bones, and stones. Unbeknown to the Roman soldiers, this very action was already prophesied in the Old Testament. In Psalm 22, verse 18, where it reads, They divide my clothes among them and cast lots, for my garments. After the Roman soldiers have nailed Jesus to the cross, they then cast their lots to divide the garments. The only piece of clothing that the Roman soldiers were interested in of any monetary value was a seamless purple robe. This was placed on Jesus in mockery as him being the king of the Jews, along with a crown of thorns and a reed for a scepter. The robe was placed on Jesus before he was crucified. This was after being sent back and forth between King Herod and Pontius Pilate, as neither of them could find Jesus guilty of any crime, especially not one worthy of crucifixion. The purple robe also has another meaning I'd like to share with you, which leads us nicely into our three points for today. We all have the same Heavenly Father. We all are children of God. Will we all accept our place in God's family? So the purple robe was placed on Jesus in mockery of Him being the King of the Jews. It was made out of material of the highest quality. This is highlighted by the fact that this robe was completely seamless. This robe was normally worn by kings not only because of its quality, but also because it was a colour purple, which was a sign of royalty. Where else was a similar high quality, purple seamless cloth used for at the very same time Jesus was wearing this robe in the temple of Jerusalem. In the temple of Jerusalem there was a huge curtain that separated the room of the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. The Holy of Holies was the innermost and most sacred area of the temple of Jerusalem. This is where God's holy presence resided as he couldn't be around sinful man and this curtain represented the barrier between God and man. Only the chief priest was allowed in there once a year on the Day of Atonement, which is also known in the Jewish calendar as Yom Kippur. This was uh, to make a sacrifice offering for the sins of himself and the sins of the people. This was done by using the innocent, sin-free blood of a so-called unblemished animal such as bulls and goats to cover the sin of people and of a fallen humanity. At this point in time, it was the only way to get right with God by the continual animal sacrifices, by the shedding of innocent blood. But God had the ultimate sacrifice, not only to cover the sin, but to get rid of it forever. Not only that, but in turn have all of humanity reconciled to himself, to God the Father through the innocent, pure, sin-free, holy blood of Jesus Christ, God's one and only Son. Jesus' sacrifice was the only way as he was fully God and he was fully man and gave his life up for all of humanity's sin, past, present and future. So what was the connection between Jesus' purple robe and the purple curtain? To explain this, I'd like to read from Mark 15, verse 37 to 39, where it says, With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. The thick, high-quality purple curtain had been torn in two from top to bottom. This was a supernatural sign from God at the precise moment his dear Son died on the cross for all of us. The rip from top to bottom symbolizes the Son of God descending down from heaven to earth for us. As a result of his death on the cross, everyone could now have access to God through the sacrifice of his Son, Jesus Christ. The Holy of Holies, God the Father, was now available for relationship with man once more. Our debt of sin, past, present, and the future, was now paid in full. Would we accept this free gift of eternal salvation? that free gift that is on offer for us all today. As some of you may know, I am blessed to be a father of two beautiful children, my son Charlie, who is six, and my daughter Molly, who is three. So as i might up here, I want to publicly thank my wife, Jo, over there, and God for bringing them into this world. Words can't describe how amazing it is to be a father, and the unique deep love I have for them both, so thank you. Uh, back in March 2014 I remember finishing work and receiving a voicemail telling me that my son Charlie had been rushed to St Peter's Hospital At this point Charlie was only 3 months old By the time I got to any Charlie was in the hospital bed surrounded by doctors He had a candle coming out of his head and wires coming out from his little arms with tears streaming down his face but with no cry coming out of his mouth the only noise that was coming out of his mouth was a barking-like cough, which I soon found out to be croup. For Some of you who don't know what croup is. Croup is a condition that affects the windpipe, the airways to the lungs and the voice box. It commonly affects children between six months and three years old. As I said, Charlie at this time was only three months old. If left untreated, especially in babies, this is a significant risk to their breathing, resulting in them not getting enough oxygen to their blood. This was another trial that was suddenly thrown our way out of nowhere. But God was faithful again in our lives and Charlie is a healthy, happy six-year-old. I want to share this story with you. As for me, as his father, I actually felt helpless. I left him in the hands of not only our amazing medical staff at the NHS, but through prayer into my Heavenly Father's hands and they did not disappoint. Now, I want to slightly change the scene from Luke 23, verse 34, to really bring home the message that God wants to give us all today. Okay, so in the scene, I'm gonna be God the Father, and my son Charlie is gonna be Jesus, God's one and only son. This example I'm about to share with you was really hard for me to imagine and to write down. But at the same time, it really opened up my heart to the immense love that God the Father has for me for you, for us as his children, just like his son, Jesus. This love I have for my son, Charlie, as his father is so unique and so much, it is immeasurable. Words can't describe how much I love my son. This love I have for Charlie, for Molly, my wife, Joe, for other members of my family is huge. But compared to God's love for his son, Jesus, for us, there's no comparison. The only way for me to get some inkling of how much God the Father loves us is that he sent his son Jesus to die for everybody so that we will come back to him. As horrible as it is for me to entertain the idea of me sending my son Charlie to die, such a horrific death on the cross, to see him hurt, to see him in pain, to see him cry out to me as I have left his side for the first time in his life, because of all humanity's evil and darkness, hate and sin that he willingly carried for everyone, when he is innocent, when he did nothing wrong, why? So that my creation, my children I love so very much that I created, would come home, come home to me and know me as their heavenly Father, which is why I created them. This is why they exist. For me to love them and them to love me in return for all of eternity. God the Father, unlike me, wasn't helpless. He could have stopped Jesus' torture but then his plan of salvation for us would never be complete. I'm sorry if this was hard for you to hear. I feel God wanted me to use such an extreme example to demonstrate to me, to us all here right now, or anyone who has listened to this online, just the glimpse that God of all creation has done to reach His children. Some of His children have been found. Some of you are sitting here today that have been found. Some have returned home to their Heavenly Father's arms. But there are still so many of His children in this broken world who are lost, that He is longing to come home to Him. Some never do. It's not a coincidence that we have a family unit in this life, a father, a mother, children, the love we have for each member of our family. We are God's creation. Each family is God's original idea. They're little examples of his huge, glorious, eternal family that we are a part of. 1 John 4 verse 19 says, we love because God first loved us. We all have the same heavenly father. We all are children of God, but we all accept our place in God's family. Before I finish, I'd like to use an analogy involving, yes, you got it, two more robes. Um, The first robe is a black, dirty, disgusting, smelly, moldy, ripped, heavy robe. The other is a bright, light, immaculate, complete, pure white, holy robe. The black robe represents a sinner, a lost child of God, and all the things that are weighing them down, all the things they regret doing, all the things that are wrong and evil in their life. All the things I haven't repented of, all the things I regret doing, all the things I refuse to receive God's love and forgiveness for, all the things I haven't repented of. The pure white robe represents the Lord Jesus' robe, our Heavenly Father's, one and only Son's robe. It's full of love, light, laughter, peace, joy, holiness, and wholeness. So why am I mentioning these two robes? Because this is an example of what Jesus did on the cross for everyone. The free gift of eternal salvation. We can't save ourselves, only Jesus can. By dying on the cross freely choosing to obey his heavenly father's will until death. Jesus swaps robes with us. Jesus takes our sin, our shame, our lust, our anger, our addictions. And in return, he offers us his pure white holy robe for all of eternity right now. Even when we're at our worst, the love of God, the grace of God is greater than any sin. Would you agree free will is the freedom to choose, the freedom of choice, the freedom to believe, the freedom to accept, the freedom to reject, not to be made to do something like some sort of robot? All of us sitting here today has an earthly father. Everyone, of us here has a different perspectives of a father based on our earthly fathers some of you might have been blessed with an amazing father some of you might not have had a very nice father some of you might have had verbally or physically abusive father some of you might not even know your father some of you might have lost your father and you miss him terribly your father might be all right now Your father might have made some mistakes that you're struggling to forgive them for. Whatever your experience of a father is like, there is always forgiveness available. Our Heavenly Father can help you forgive your earthly father no matter what they have done, no matter what you have been through. I would really encourage reconciliation and forgiveness, not just for our earthly fathers but for anyone, to set you free from that prison of unforgiveness. There might be some fathers here today who need to forgive themselves. Your heavenly father forgave you by sending his son Jesus to die for your sin. Your heavenly father is the perfect father. The sin of our earthly father's life and action with the best will in the world is never going to be perfect no matter how hard we try. And I'm speaking to myself here too. Okay, so I've talked about robes again. It seems only right to talk about curtains again as well. What is your barrier between you and God? What curtain in your life is at the moment? What curtain, curtain is in your life at the moment? What does your curtain represent? Is it money, pride, lust, a destructive habit, an addiction, greed, laziness, unforgiveness, anger? Are we judgmental? Do we gossip? The list goes on and on. How can we apply all this to our lives? What do we do moving forward in all these areas of our lives? God wants to transform our lives, but will we let him? Is there someone you can be accountable with this week? Is there someone you can be honest with this week? Someone who can pray for you? Prayer is letting God's light into your darkness. Someone, um, sorry, a light that expels that darkness please go for prayer. I know we say it all the time, but you're one prayer away from your life being radically transformed in love and power of Jesus. I know it's no wracking to ask for prayer. That's because the devil doesn't want his darkness to be dispelled by God's glorious light. He doesn't want people to be saved. He doesn't want people to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. He doesn't want people to spend all of eternity with the Son of God. Do you need to repent and receive His forgiveness? Maybe for the first time today. To end, I'd like you to look at an image on the screen. For people listening online, it's a picture of a chasm in between two cliffs. One side is dark, full of death and darkness. The other side is full of light, love and peace. How does a person go from darkness to light? How does he get to the other side of the chasm? through Jesus, through the cross of Christ. The cross in the picture is the bridge. Could you be added to this picture? Will you walk across the chasm using the cross? The chasm represents our sin which has caused the separation between God, the Father and man until Jesus gave his life up as a ransom for us. The curtain has been dawning too, We all have access now to the Holy of Holies, the Lord God Almighty. So that we can choose freedom, choose forgiveness. Will you walk over the cross bridge? Leaving that sin, that darkness behind you because you choose to receive God's free gift of salvation. It is a choice. Our choice. Every single person on earth right now has this very same choice. In Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 9 it says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not by yourself, it is a gift from God, not by works that anyone can boast. We can't earn our salvation, it doesn't matter how good or bad we are. In Romans 3 23 it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If we sin once or a thousand times, we are still not good enough to get across that chasm. It is not about religion. It's about a relationship with God through his son, Jesus. It's not about denomination. It's about the dominion of your heart. Does Jesus dominate your heart? In John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Will we all accept our place in God's family? Will we accept Jesus? I'd like our lovely worship band to lead us in a time of response. Thank you for listening. For more information about St Saviour's, please visit our website,